right, welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker and president of Harmony Group, Matt Hedrick. So if you missed part one, please go back and belly back up to that bar and give it a listen first. You don't want to miss a single word of it, I promise, because we're going to pick up. It's going to get lively, and Jean's going to save a seat for you, so don't worry, right? That's right. Absolutely. So let's jump right in there. Let's pick up where we left off. This is funny. I knew this is what's going to happen, because if everyone knows, this is a script, and this is exactly what I wrote. Um, let's back up two seconds, just in case somebody missed it. What is Initiative 82? And then let's pick that back up. There was an initiative a couple of years ago called 77. Now they, they passed it last year called 82. And the way DC law works is you can, um, you can get in the primary as a ballot initiative. So anybody who wants to change the law in DC uh, will typically go get a bunch of signatures, put it on the Democratic ballot initiative, right? And then um, because 90% of the city votes a certain way, if you write it a certain way, it gets passed, it goes sure. into law. The, the council can turn it over, which they did with 77 which was the same law, and in, with 82, all they did was say, hey, listen, um, we're, gonna get, we're gonna phase out the tip credit. And the way the tip credit works is like there is a minimum wage for all people. Uh, it, at all times, it applies to everybody exactly the same, except for tipped workers um, can be paid less money out of the pocket of the employer if their tips push them over minimum wage. So nobody gets paid less than minimum wage ever. That's yeah. not legal, no matter what. Um, but for restaurants, they say, hey, look, y'all are gonna make like 40 bucks an hour in tips probably. Uh, it's, it's a lot of money um, in, in a market like DC and frankly, almost everywhere in the, in the country makes a lot of money um, in decent restaurants yeah. because we tip well now and, and it is what it is. Uh, so it vastly exceeds tip to minimum wage, but in DC they got rid of it and said, hey, over the next five years up until 2027, we're gonna phase it out and uh, eventually eliminate basically the ability of a restaurant to pay only five bucks out of pocket and let the servers keep their tips yep. the rest. Yep. Um, so that law is passed and now we're, we're dealing with the aftermath. And the aftermath is gonna get worse because you're gonna have people that are gonna drop out of the industry and then you're going to not have anybody who wants to work as a server. And then you're gonna to go to a restaurant and stand there and look at the chef because Jeff's like, here's the food and um, I hope you like it. And can you clean up your plates? Yeah. That's really what's gonna happen. Or that dinner's gonna cost you one bazillion dollars to eat it and where you were going out maybe two or three nights a week will now become something that's more special even for people that are making a hundred thousand plus you yeah. know a year in income this is not like you know what i'm saying oh if you're making you know well, we'll, we'll talk about the people so first of all the the law doesn't change the fact that some people make minimum wage right so if we're going to use uh, an example of like, hey, you're working at IHOP, people tip like shit there or something, and you're making minimum wage at the end of the day, it doesn't change that for yeah. you, right? What, yeah. it, what it does yeah. is just change basically the amount that comes out of the restaurant's pocket. So, okay, you've, you've done nothing there. Where, where you're feeling the effects is basically on all other forms of dining. Because what we talked about a second ago is if you have $100 that comes into the restaurant, $90 of that goes out in the best case average scenario, right? Most scenarios are worse. A lot of restaurants just aren't that profitable because um, they have expensive leases. They have like a lot of stuff that happens. Uh, you already have uh, the inflation of ingredient costs. We all are dealing with inflation, but it, people feel really bad about passing that through, so they kill their own margins. So at the end of all of this stuff, if you add 10% of costs to a restaurant, like 10% of their gross sales, right? Not 10% of like what they were spending before, now you took 90% of the cost, you added 10, you spent 100% in the best case. 
right? Most of them are now losing money. How do you offset that cost is the question. Most people that sign a lease for 10 years don't want to go bankrupt. Yeah. Like if you're asking Gina, hey, don't change anything, just do the old model, pick up this cost, you want to go bankrupt. And like she's like, looks at her kids. How old are your kids? I, uh, they're eight and nine. Okay, so how does she say to her daughters who are eight and nine, like fucking sorry, we're gonna go live on the street because yeah. I signed a lease five years ago and somebody changed the law on me. Yeah. That's bullshit. Right? And people are people are like, oh, just raise your prices. That's fucking bullshit too, because why are we changing the prices on the consumer who also didn't want to pay more, so that like the server who was making forty to fifty dollars is now going to make sixty? Right? I don't know. Yeah. Like, what does that really change their life? That's not how it's going to work, though. Yeah. That's the main thing. It's, it's not, not just it's not just going to be that way. The consumer is not going to go in and have to pay like I have bagels, right? Imagine a bacon and cheese went from. Right now in my menu, they're $8.08 with tax, okay? I have probably the lowest price in Washington, D.C. right now. Most of my competitors are at $10 and $12 for a bacon, egg, and cheese, which is very high, right? But they're smart because that's what they're paying. They're doing their, their wages, right? I am trying to, like, combat the fact that, like, you know, to be there your everyday kind of thing, right? When you walk into Buffalo and Bergen, are you going to be happy paying $17 for a sandwich, right? So today, Louise had sticker for a shock. sandwich? Hold on, she had sticker shock today, right? Turkey, bacon, club sandwich. $17.70, okay? It's a lot of fucking money for a sandwich. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but that's your new reality based on all the things that are happening. Right. And it doesn't have to be that way. And we're not exploiting our workers. We're not exploiting the workers. Like, that's what the people in the industry don't understand. This is not about exploiting the workers. This is about a union, for me, a union that wants to unionize restaurants, right? And become like everything's a hotel, serve shit on a plate like a hotel does, yep. and get away with it because guess what? They're gonna set the ingredients are gonna be the things that will begin to suffer. It'll be, oh, absolutely. you will get shittier quality stuff. Yeah. It won't be as cool. It won't be these things. It won't be farm fresh. It won't be all of the things that you want because it's not possible. So unfortunately, people are asking for the impossible. Serve me, give me all the things for a minimum price and I'm not gonna tip you. Oh, you're okay. Well, you just, well, we're welcome, welcome to, I don't know where. Yeah. So it's not gonna happen. And then you think you're doing such a great job that you're now pushing it out to other places to also overturn the law. That is just well, so it's, it's stupid. Like the, the, the reality of it is it's a hot mess to adapt to, but like if you go back to the very premise of it, it's, it's, like, a, it's like an absurdity that is like really frustrating because like if you go to um, the, the replacement for rock, like the, the set of people that are promoting this and pushing it around, right? Like, in, they have papers that aren't, I think, well done and, and a bunch of things of that nature. But the core premise is, is really simple, right? Which is um, tipping at its core is, is not just a legacy of sort of racist and systemic racism, right? Because they'll trace it back to the Civil War, post-Civil War and Reconstruction. Um, that it carries those things today. So that uh, basically if you're not a white man, you're going to uh, suffer under tipping because you won't make the same tips if you're, say, like a single BIPOC woman as, as a white man would. And I'm not sure what studies they look at when they, they do that. But I tend to think that if you cherry pick certain data or if you look at stuff in aggregate, like if you were like, hey, I'm gonna look at the workers, um, like all black women, uh, as an example, right? Well, I'm sure a lot of black women servers also work in restaurants that like serve 
like clientele that doesn't tip as well as other places. And then you compare the two side by side. I'm, I feel like in the payrolls I see, you just don't see these disparities between the people. And it's not one or two, it's hundreds of payrolls. How come my payrolls that I look at are the only ones that you just don't have those problems, right? I, like I, I question the premise, not that there are that there are like systemic um, issues or like that there are varying like sort of outcomes in tips like people probably do. But I think there's two problems here. One is under what set of like realities do you take away the agency of the person in a like a fully functioning market? I'm I'm not actually against like unionization as a core thing. Like if you're working for if you were working a couple months ago during the the strikes like with UAW and, and the big car companies, right? Like there's only three of them. They're, you're in company towns. You might need representation to be able to negotiate with something like that. You're in DC. You want to like work inside of like a highly, like an incredibly competitive industry that just doesn't have pricing power. You can quit same day. Happens all the time in the restaurant industry, right? You can get a job same day. So you have the ability to move around. There, it's more, it's a more fluid labor market than probably any other market in the world. Very true. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So like. Well, that's an interesting thing you just brought up. Now, does that mean that like when you become a server in a restaurant, do now do the at will change, and then now you have a service contract with somebody because now you're now going to be there, and I'm going to invest this many dollars into your training, right? And that you're not going to leave the job, right? So if you're in a, in a union situation, you have to have three grievances, blah blah blah, whatever. You just can't quit. Like it's under under like a lot of people's opinions as a union, you can just quit your job. Nope, nope, no. Nope. That's not how it works, right? You have to do the union's guaranteeing your labor, saying you take this union on. You're these people are coming to work. Yeah. Great. And then you can't just go where you want to go. So now are you taking away people's freedoms when it comes well, that, to working? That's the whole, that's the whole yeah. thing. Like you, what you're saying is basically, hey, and like I, I feel like it's super sexist and super racist to be like, hey, black woman, you're too dumb in a totally fluid, fluid uh, like labor market yeah. to make your own choice about where you want to work. Yeah. And the environment that you are willing to accept for the compensation that's there. And if you feel like you need to do that and patronize them, like I just don't agree with that. Yeah. It's like you can take the job or you can not take the job. I you don't like you don't need to come in and like coddle people. But even if you thought you did, how in the world are you accomplishing something that's in that woman's favor yeah. by taking away her federal protections, taking away her money? Right now, like a year ago, if you worked in a restaurant in DC, what would happen is you'd pay, get paid like five bucks an hour and all your tips belong to a pool that only belonged to you and your front of house brethren, right? Yep. So that's why they make 50 plus dollars an hour. And if you want to work that five hour shift on Friday night and make 300 bucks or 250 or something, good for you. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to be there. But now you're going to take away the ability to pick up that shift, not pick up that shift, to own those tips. That's federal law. You've taken it away. Because what happens is the moment you get to full minimum wage, right? They, they're not saying this. They're lying about it. Or if you look at their stuff, the moment you get to full minimum wage in the city, tips don't belong just to the front house. They belong to the oh. whole service staff that's not manager. So if you don't see what's coming there, what will happen is the restaurant owners, as they no longer can charge a 10 15% service charging and expect you to tip. We'll drop it back to like, hey, fine, like we're gonna charge a bunch of money, you're gonna tip on top of it, right? But they're gonna take the tip pool and they're gonna say, well, I already pay you 17 bucks an hour and we're gonna split it 50-50 or something. Yeah. And you have taken the same pot of money and you will now have taken it away from our example woman that we're trying to protect from herself and her own ability to have agency and you're gonna give it to other people. 
right? Which was always like a problem in the industry. People were like, front of house and back of house don't make the same, it's not fair, they work so hard, et cetera, et cetera, and that is a real challenge. But to take it away from her, to yeah. give it to that dude over there, yeah. like, how is that solving a fucking problem? It's not. Yeah, the other solution to it that restaurants, uh, th that I think is incredibly disingenuous and dangerous is that lots, there's plenty of restaurants that are trying it in, um, and tried it before, and I think erroneously, they went straight to a service charge, right? So you go, you don't tip, you just get a full 20% service charge or something like that. There's a couple problems with that. One is that a service charge is just revenue to the company. You can call it a service charge, but an auto gratuity and a service charge are not tips, right? They don't belong to anybody but Gina. Honestly, yeah. Gina can decide to do whatever the fuck I, I she wants to. I don't do that, everybody. Yeah, just yeah, make yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But Sorry. you know what you yeah. do do? I think we should just, let's, let's bring it down a notch. Let's get a cocktail and pick it back up. What do you think? I love that. Yeah, we're going to do that. Hemingway daiquiri. Probably one of my most favorite drinks ever. I love it. I love to um, mess with it. Like at the holidays, you can add different things to it. You know, cinnamon, uh, cardamom, cardamaro. We're going to add that today. But it's such a rich history of cocktails. Um, you know, Hemingway daiquiri, it's obviously named after Ernest Hemingway, and it's because he ordered a daiquiri and he asked for double the amount of booze in the daiquiri. And I always found that to be so amusing because they, you know, he'd ask for the Luxardo in it, the grapefruit, and then fork, and then a four count of the rum. And it was just like, so the idea of like, that was the way that he was. And like, you can just see how, you know, he would write, uh, you know, a, a story just being that fucking shit faced, right? But you also have to realize, you know, he's in the middle of like what, you know, war torn cities and, you know, totally fucked up and doesn't care and holds all these other writers and uh, reporters. And he's like, don't worry, we're just gonna drink this and it's gonna be great. Well. Um, I had the luxury of going to um, Puerto Rico and my friends at Bacardi gave me um, one of the Bacardi Superiors and really nice to have that. And I actually broke it out because I felt like this was a really great um, time to make the drink that's really more, um, you know, unique and then and time appropriate for uh, today. So let's start making this cocktail. So we are gonna make this with, um, so, in theory, it'd be one and a half ounces of white rum. We're gonna do two ounces of white rum, so we're making two of these. So we'll do four ounces of rum. And just keep in mind, this would have been a single for Ernest Hemingway. So if you weren't sure that you loved him, well, just think of this way. He could um, be in a war, write an entire story, report on the war, and drink these all day long and be totally fine. The man, legend, really. And then you're gonna put in, um, Sorry, a half an ounce of Luxardo. If you don't know what Luxardo is, it's Italian cherry liqueur. Uh, each drink, just a half an ounce, it's very strong. Do not like overdo it. And then we're gonna take one bar spoon of Cardamaro. Um, if you've been following us this holiday season, I've been using a lot of the Cardamaro. I really love it. Any Amaro in here would be great. Um, basically, you're gonna put in two bar spoons or that would be four dashes. If you're that fancy at home and you have your um, Amaros in a dasher. So, so like, you know, that's really, very nice. Um, okay, so you have that in there and then we're gonna add our grapefruit juice. Um, I do not have my uh, my juicer with me today, so we're gonna actually hand squeeze these and you know, the you can use a fork, you can use all kinds of stuff. Or if you have bare claws like myself, you can squeeze the fruit. And I know these people, so it's okay. I would never do this at my bar. So don't worry if you're going to Buffalo Burger in the last call, I'm not squeezing your fruit and maybe touching your juice, but I know these fine folks and whatever I have and 
Whatever they catch for me is fine. <laughs> I happen to like it when she squeezes my juice with her bare hands. When she's, <laughs> when she's bare clawing my fruit. Anyway, so we're going to put in, um, you're going to put in uh, uh, three quarters of an ounce of fresh grapefruit juice. Now, the reason why you're going to actually squeeze this with a hand juicer or is you're really looking for the oils that are coming from the skin as well. Um, it just makes for a better um, cocktail and it's delicious, right? So we have our grapefruit juice in there and now we're gonna add um, half an ounce of fresh lime juice. Again, you know, you're gonna be doing this with, um, you know, fresh limes, right? Fresh is best, but you need the oils. The drink will not be the same. It's impossible. Okay, so we're gonna add our liquor to this and we're gonna grab some ice. Uh, you can do the garnish ahead of time if you want. The garnish is a flag, which is with lime and cherry. You can do it as you want. But one thing that you should do when you're making this cocktail is ice down your glass beforehand because you're spending all this time building, shaking, straining, squeezing, putting it in a hot glass as a travesty. Okay, here we go. Nice little froth on top. Smells good, looks good. We're gonna double strain this because I don't want ice shards in there. If it was like outside, I probably would leave them in there because you want it nice and cold. Such a beautiful drink. Easy, you can make it your own, a little bit, variations on it. And I think that's what I really love about this cocktail. It's like, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. And I'm pretty sure when, uh, like maybe Ernest Hemingway was throwing, you know, booze in a cup that each one was uniquely different based on what might have been happening around him. Or I just made that up, I have no idea. <laughs> also, does anybody know why Ernest Hemingway's cats have five finger, uh, toes? I don't know. Do you know, Louise? I will. <laughs> You're gonna Google it? The old Google. Google could lie to you and no one would ever know anymore. They're just like, okay. It's just a study says. <laughs> a study shows. My research says. I mean, I heard it was for incest, but you know. All right, so we're making a little flag, which is basically when you take a cherry and you put it between citrus, anything can be a flag as long as you follow that uh, motto. And that is it, that is the cocktail. I do not have fancy, anything could be a skewer, see? I do not have my fancy skewer, I didn't do anything right today, I don't even know. Oh, I'm sure this the cocktail is right. The holiday season is really taking a toll. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. So Gina? This cocktail, once again, I mean, come on, man. Drink so these all day long. Like, let's be clear, I did not invent the Hemingway daiquiri, right? I love the Hemingway daiquiri. I make them properly, I do what I'm supposed to do. I also busted out of this very, very expensive bottle of Bacardi that you can only get in Puerto Rico and you have to pick it up and there's not that many of those kinds, right? But. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but. Adding a little bit of Amaro to these cocktails and changing it up a little bit is really cool because it definitely lends itself and also makes it more seasonality. And I said this before, not everybody in the United States or anywhere around the world celebrates Christmas in a cold environment, yeah. right? So like some of us are in Australia and it's hot. So enjoy these things and make the holiday season your own. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. What do we do this week in Thanksgiving? Make the same drink? Um, you know what's really great? You can make it, it's not a Hemingway, right? I mean, I put it on Hemingway, but I make it with bourbon exactly the same. Oh, I love that. It's really good. 
And I'd say, oh, I'm gonna make not Hemingway's. And everyone's like, yes. What's a, what's a good bourbon to use this? Um, honestly, I just switch it up with like some- Or something? Uh, yeah, like something easy, like, like, Meager's Mark, something yeah, like 80 uh, proof, like, like 90 lots of proof, sugar yeah. In it. Yeah, not, right, not too much. Like the bitter. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't put a rye in there, it tastes yeah. like crap. Like, you won't <laughs> taste anything. Yeah. You only taste the rye and grapefruit compounding for like, it competing for like not flavor. Yeah, unbalanced. So, where are they gonna go to get this recipe? You're gonna go to designateddrinker.show for um, this recipe and tips, tricks, how to. Also, link up for. Um, Harmony CPA, I think that would be really cool, right? Yeah. Because if you're a restaurateur and you're listening, then this I is, want to work with you. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> and this is really great. And you do not have to be in the DC area, as as Matt said, he does all of the US. Yeah, we're literally everywhere from Portland to Miami, Columbus, Nashville, Charleston, Boston, down in Texas. It's cool stuff. Cool. Yeah. So if you didn't catch um, that, that link, don't worry, you can just scroll down into our episode notes. Um, we'll have hot links there for you. We'll get you to, of course, designatedrinker.show. All of our, all of the stuff is there. Um, you'll, we'll get you a link to Instagram so you can see Gina's beautiful face and watch her in action. And then we'll definitely, like she said, have Harmony Group there, link there in case you are a restaurateur looking for this uh, piece of solace you seem to have, like this, this anchor. Yeah, seems it like is. a really it's good partner. Really important. It's very important for anybody that's in business, especially now, especially even the restaurant business, and everything's changing so rapidly around you. And also, anybody that you know, like if you're in the restaurant space or you go to restaurants and you enjoy going to restaurants, you know, it's okay to stand up for your like local restaurant, any Absolutely. restaurant uh, employees, and what, and really be educated in what you're voting for. I think that like no one's really listening to the truth. You know? Well, I think you know, when you were talking about that initiative on ballots at, in D.C., I mean, I live in Virginia, and I had an initiative that popped up, and it was as military, um, and depending on your retirement status, they changed that you would not pay for, so certain, depending on your medical retirement, in certain states, and Virginia is one of them, you don't pay real estate tax. And they added to that not paying personal property tax on your one vehicle. And they added that and it came up on the initiative. And I went, yeah, I totally agree with that. But when you said that, I'm like, you know, I never looked into, I don't know that there was any other negative side to that, but I never once thought about right. what else that would be. So I could see how somebody could look at that initiative on the ballot and not understand yeah. what they were really voting for. Yeah. That's my point is like, to your point, get educated, but I was guilty of it myself. It's it's really interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, because why the fuck not, right? Um, but like, I've always thought like, man, wouldn't it be nice in 2023 to have representative democracy kind of stripped away a little bit? Like, why do we need old ass politicians to represent us when we have the internet? We could vote on a lot of this stuff, right? And like actually sort of, like whatever it was, you could be like, do you want to send money to Ukraine? Do you want to build a wall? Do you want to do whatever stuff you want to do, right? Like, it doesn't matter, but we could all vote on everything and you couldn't do that 200 plus years ago. Right. But then, like, I suppose the, this is the reason you shouldn't do something like that because it, I'm not sure that politicians do a better job, but at least their whole job would be to have staffs of people that, like, research these things and think about it. Like, it seems a little bit better than something like this where all you have to do is write, write your ballot initiative a certain way and nobody will ever, in most places, uh, object to it, right? Imagine, like I know I'm gonna take it the wrong way here, but like imagine you were in a super conservative state and you were just like, do you wanna kill babies? Like that's how you get yeah. rid of, that's yeah. how you get rid of stuff like a woman's right to choose. However you feel about it or not, that's probably not how laws should be made. Just like 
changing something as fundamental to hundreds of thousands of people. And Gina's a good example. You sign leases for 10 years yeah. with options. That's a 10-year commitment. If it goes wrong, you go bankrupt. Yeah. That's your whole life. You don't get to come back. Well, and if you think about it, society as a whole, no one not only is not only Stop a restaurant, but not only a restaurant. What, Gina? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying you. I'm just saying. <laughs> but if you think, think about this on a greater scale, it's not just the restaurateurs or these individual entrepreneurs. Yeah. When those businesses go bankrupt, Jobs are lost. Banks lose money. Um, developers lose money. Sure. The the area, the community in itself suffers. Sure. So it's not a single. It's not just the restaurant entrepreneur it, like issue. It is truly. It's greater than that. Well, there's that, there's that quote of like the worst way you could ever make decisions is to let decisions be in the hands of people who don't suffer the consequences of bad ones. Yeah. Right? And I get... Cash in the... Right in the check, you can't cash? Yeah, yeah. Like, I get why, like, uh, if you're an activist hired by the unions, the union... Like, like the New York unions or, like, wherever they're from, the hospitality unions want members, right? As a membership drive. Cool. Got you. That's their job. They should be doing this. They, that's literally what they're here for, for their members, is to make it bigger so that they can advocate on behalf of them. Okay, but then you hire activists who like come from an, a, like an opinion of like, hey, this is this is racist, sexist, blah blah blah. I don't care about the outcome necessarily. I just want to change this system. And they don't. They, when was the last time they were a restaurant owner? Was yeah. it was the last time that they like counted on that two hundred bucks this week to make rent? Right? They're not college kids. They're yeah. not like whatever. And over what? Because like you feel like. Maybe they worked in the restaurant, maybe they weren't. I don't, I don't actually think a lot of them did because these are like Princeton kids and stuff like that that grew up to be, you know, activists. Like, you're fixing a system that, that the people weren't asking to fix. You shouldn't be fixing it because it's not your system. I work closely with the Ram W. Yeah, but that's the, local, and then we have the National Restaurant Association. But I mean, are they lobbying for you in this space? I'm sorry, I should have said, are they in... They uh, are, they are, I, so... The restaurant it, It's an impossible fight is the problem. Yeah. Is so, that what it is? Because yes, if you if you ask question, the question, no, well no, it's a really good point. It's a great like, question. You're like, where is the restaurant lobby? There's the National Restaurant Association and there are like local ones. The Ram yeah, W the is, is in yeah. yeah, so Washington is Ram W, Maryland is Ram, there's a Virginia one, there's one everywhere. But the problem is how do you fight a question like, hey, do you think that people should make five bucks an hour? in a world where that doesn't come close to paying the bills, nobody would ever say, yeah, and you can frame it like, oh, we want to get rid of like businesses being able to pay $5 an hour. It, you don't know what, you don't understand how this is working and yeah. why, or the ramifications. And that's the problem is like, how do you, you just can't fight against that fight. Um, and I, they tried it once through technical measures, and yeah. they, they won it the first time. The second time they tried, but they knew that they would lose, and they did. Um, the problem for us, it, it, my big problem, the reason I get so loud and passionate about it is the workers that are being hurt ultimately, and you won't see all this stuff play out, but you, you see it's it, coming. It's, it's in the process of it, and you can see it in a Washingtonian and stuff, Sidman's writing about stuff like, uh, you know, like how frustrated diners are versus the restaurants, right? You can go back in time and look at like, here's the four ways this will play out. We're right squarely in one of them, which is, well, there's a hot mess version. We're here. Um, and nobody's really winning, but like the workers will basically lose out in this system because when you take away their rights, their fundamental federal rights to own their own tips, that's the only thing you're ultimately doing here, then you fuck them and maybe they get union representation after that to like re-protect them. But you've like taken away a system that protects them. That they have to pay into. Everyone's forgetting the other thing. 
if you're a unionized workforce, you have to pay the union. So really what the union just did was figured out a way to make it so that you were gonna give them, not only you're making less money, but now you're gonna pay into it. And this is what's so fucked up, but nobody is listening to the people that are telling you this is what's happening. And you're so like, Oh, but I'm helping everybody. You're not helping anybody. Right. Because you saw an Instagram ad? Let me ask Because you your whole your whole like political views are on a blip on your phone that is literally learned what you like to watch. Yeah. And it's like, oh, she likes to watch things about Democrats and blah blah blah. Let's give her all the Democrat information. Then your phone knows who you are. So there's been this is a problem, and this is obviously a major problem. What does one do? And not not from from an from an outsider. What what would shit? Nobody knows. What could you do? Tip. I'll give you this. Tip people the same as you used to, and that's, start there for start sure. There. Yeah. Because yeah, for sure. This, like here's the thing. Like the service charge that you get. Like everyone's frustrated about these service charges. And I want to I want to like draw a line real quick. There was a pre I eighty two service charge type, and there's like the post. The pre. Um, I probably sound like some like crazy person who's like against the union or some shit like that, right? I'm not. I'm like just for the workers. So before I-82, what I was doing with clients left and right in my own restaurants, I didn't mention that I own some restaurants, but um, <laughs> we, we do service charges. And but what we do with the service charges pay for health insurance yeah. for our staff. We pay for training. We pay for extra things. No, like a lot of places didn't offer health insurance, and I think that's really important. So we had like a three or 4% service fee allows you to do that. And I fight tooth and nail against even my own managers who are like, hey, guests are mad about 4%. I'm like, fuck them, go away as a guest. Like, just don't come back because health insurance is more important. I need to take care of my people. That was the pre. In the post, the whole world is very simple. Like the restaurants have two choices, basically. One is like, hey, pass this through in just price raises and ask for tips or service charge. Price, pass it through um, alternatively, that you could pass it through as a partial service charge and still ask people to tip. That's the two choices. And ultimately, it comes. it's going to come back down to, it's like that airlines, right? Like, Southwest prices everything in, and yeah. some people like that, and it's like, everything's included. Um, and some, some restaurants are like, or sorry, some airlines are like, hey, every single bag you bring, we're going to charge you 40 bucks. People got used to it eventually, but it's not better. It's like more money. Yeah, this stuff. flight's $99 <laughs> plus, 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 <laughs> plus, 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 Yeah, you can't even have a piece of gum on food. So it's like, oh, do yeah, you bring gum? Better bring your change. Gum's $15. Bring your own toilet paper kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. This is it. Okay, here we go. This is how I know you, if you've ever listened to our podcast before or not. Um, so we have a final question, right? So in this day and age, everybody, you know, um, identifies with some sort of spirit animal, right? So in your, you might identify with a squirrel because you know you're always squirreling away your nuts and, you know, counting everything you have, right? Um, if you could be one spirit ingredient, whether in cocktail. All right, we're going with a spirit ingredient. Yeah, it's either a cocktail or food. What would your ingredient be and how is it like you? Oh my God, I'm going to say something cheesy. I don't actually know. No, whatever pops Um, in your head. I fucking, what popped in my head was octopus. Great. Because first of all, I love octopus. It's my favorite dish everywhere. Uh, You know Riss? Yeah. Yeah. No, tell me why it's like you. All right, anyway, whatever. So um, octopus is my favorite thing like all the time and octopi are super smart and they have lots of hearts. Aww. Yeah, I got it. That was really good. Yeah.
You also, that's the first time anyone ever said octopus. I'm it is the first time, yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah, it's the only time anyone said it was an octopus. They say a lot of things, but that was really amazing. We always get lemon a lot. Right? A lot of lemon. A lot of lemon. A lot of lemon. A lot of It's a yeah, yeah, yeah. so much more personal dish than, or like ingredient than octopus. I didn't know that no. octopus have multiple hearts. How many hearts do they have? As many tentacles. Yeah, I don't know. I just made that yeah. shit up. Let me they Google it. I'll they find definitely out. have a couple, right? Yeah. Or brains or something. Sure. I'm pretty sure. Hearts. They have multiple yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Also, yeah. like, don't they have like movies about octopi and like they're like so yes, sweet? Yes, they, they, they actually they, they think they, they there's some there's a theory out there that they the actually are alien. <laughs> I believe that. I would probably work for me too. <laughs> Look, they don't have they don't have any hair. Exactly. You know, it's just yeah. like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For your podcast people, they're like he's so fucking bald. It was shining the whole time. He couldn't see. <laughs> Um, they weren't so tasty. Maybe the aliens are tasty. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Like, there's some fucked up planet eating aliens. Oh my god, that's that'll be the worst alien like ending story ever. You like end up in a like fucking Earth and you're just stuck in the ocean and getting eaten all the time. By <laughs> I didn't even ask to come here. God. Exactly. Maybe it's like we're, we're maybe we're there in Australia. Australia. Maybe um, all the bad aliens get sent down to Earth. All right. So since it's warm down there, <laughs> we're, so you're saying Earth. <laughs> So oh my Earth? god, that's true. They're like the convicts of, of yeah, like alien universe. life and are thrown yeah, into the Pacific Ocean or something. Also, this would be the best comic book ever. Get Neil the writer. Oh my god. I love that so much. All right. I say we go find a drink elsewhere. Yes. Continue this. Happy holidays. Thank you for Cheers. spending your time Happy holidays. With us. Safe travels. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.